<laughs> Welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. I'm Jen Reads Romance. Uh, I talk about books on Twitter with my friend Sarah. Here she is. Sarah McLean. I write romance novels. I read romance novels. I talk about them a whole lot. So what we're up to today is talking about one of our favorite tropes, a, a beloved trope by many, which is like fake engagement or fake relationship. I mean, Jen, every third book that is out right now is a fake engagement book. I feel like t- Talia Hebert is responsible for this in some way. Like she writes oh, a great interesting. fake engagement and like I really believe that she might be responsible for this. <laughs> All right, I'm down with that. One of the things that's really interesting and to sort of set the stage, because I think a question that we all have is like, well, why why this trope, right? Like, what is it about this trope that sort of rings everybody's bell, for lack of a better word? And one, I thought a really interesting, um, I'm sure a lot of people follow um, Anna, oh boy, I'm not going to say her name right, which I feel terrible. Anna Coqui, she has a, um, maybe it's Coqui, I'm not sure. Oh, I meant to ask her, I'm sorry. Anyway, she does a whole thing. She started a whole like rom book love, which is like a month of romance prompts about beloved romance tropes. And this is now, I think she started it maybe, it was like last summer, but now she does it a couple times a year. And it's a big thing people really love. It's a really great way to talk about romances you love. And she had um, a fake engagement day this past, um, God, it must have been past November. And one of a really interesting comment from a woman I also follow her named Marilyn Nielsen said, one of the reasons she loves marriage of convenience is because it's really inherently contradictory. And she said, it takes an essential core of romance, the long lasting relationship or marriage, but bases it on something other than love. And I thought that was like a really insightful way of thinking about right, like right from the very beginning, they're together, but for the wrong reasons. And I think that's a big reason about why we just really love this trope, because what we want to see is them, I don't know, bumping back into the right lane where they're together because they are in love. Mm -hmm. I think there is... There are a couple of really interesting things here. One, I think fake engagement is a natural extension of the marriage of convenience novel. Yes. Um, marriage of convenience is very difficult to pull off in contemporaries. Right. Because um, there's not enough pressing reasons for it, really. Well, there are basically no pressing reasons for it, except for inheritance, which it's money. any lawyer would tell you is probably not going to hold up in court anyway so (laughs) like it's a the the only time I've ever seen it really work is I have to get married to inherit my father's right you know business or whatever in historicals though marriage and convenience is constant because that really is like in many cases you know from medievals where it literally is like you have to get married so that our two tribes can stop warring right versus um regencies where it is a lot you know the i have to get married because my father is poor or like dowries become right. an issue so i think fake engagement becomes a piece of that i also think there's something really delicious as a reader uh, to watching two people fake being in love um, because it's sort of 
unpacks fantasy in a way. It shows you what both the hero and heroine believe is the fantasy of love. Well, and often I think it's interesting who they perform it for. Yeah. So it's like... Is it about family? Is it about friends? Is it about people at work proving that you're a grown-up? Mm-hmm. Or the public. There are a lot of sports fake engagement books mm-hmm. these days. So it's not just like what is – what do I imagine like true love looks like? But who is the perceived audience, yeah. right? And so I do. I think there's a lot of, like, those layers get really, really interesting. Well, and I wonder how much this is about, and this, I'm, uh, this is an unformed thought as it's coming out of my head. So I apologize, you guys. But I wonder how much this is also about us currently living a life that's so curated, right? Like, so many of us spend so much time on the internet, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Pinterest, like on Twitter as kind of curated versions of ourselves. Authenticity is fabricated as authentic as you can possibly be. Like I like to think I'm pretty authentic. Like if you look at my Twitter feed, you can – my friends, Jen, for example, can hear me in my right. tweets. Like, right. But I still don't tweet every single thought I have or every single moment that I have. Everything is curated and fake engagements are the ultimate curation. Right. Right. So they're a fabricated authenticity that then leads to this interesting internal conflict, which is I'm starting to feel for this person real, really feel for this person and is what I'm feeling even real where does fake end and real begin and like in 2019 that's a question and it's like the crucible of like like being in that fishbowl of having eyes on you then also puts up this barrier between you like you and other people because then the question becomes like okay now there's this secret between us who can we tell who can we not tell right So what are the repercussions for other people discovering it? Yes. And then how – and then, of course, of course, a huge part of the tension is what will happen when the truth is revealed? Because that's a big part of it, Mm -hmm. right? It can't just be that, like, oh, the fake engagement becomes a real thing and they, like, have a happily ever after. There's some sort of reckoning with the fact that this – came about in a way that was so fake well it's fake right you and i have talked so much on the podcast not on the podcast about two things one being um by virtue of being contemporary romances in the world that we live in um struggle for authentic conflict between two characters because you can always walk away right these are not faded mates you are not being married because your father needs money you are not being married for a title or whatever other thing like you can say this isn't working i'm walking away like there are a thousand other fish in the sea right right um so there's that piece right that this this adds a layer of forced proximity right Mm -hmm. it's basically a it's a snowed-in yeah. romance. <laughs> it's a devil's bargain, right? Like, we've agreed to this thing together. Now how are we going to get out of it? Yeah. But it also, from a writing perspective, part of the joy of con- the conflict of a, f- of a fake 
fake engagement is a ticking clock, right? It's also a road trip romance in the sense that right. there is a destination. And when we get there, then this is over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is over or the like, right. Whatever it is, we've whatever we have, whatever we're trying to achieve, there's like that moment where we're going to get it. And often what they discover at that moment, of course, is it's not really what they wanted or it's different than what they wanted. Which, of course, it is because it has to be. Yeah. It can't be sustained. Mm. Okay. So because we started talking about contemporaries, maybe I should go first. Okay. So I am going to talk about a book called A Marriage of Unconvenience by Chelsea M. Cameron. And... um. I say Chelsea M. Cameron. I'm really hitting that M because Chelsea Cameron writes like motorcycle club romances. It's a different, it's a different, there's a different Chelsea Cameron confusing us out here. I'm sure the other Chelsea Cameron is lovely too. I'm sure, of course. But that's not the topic, but we'll get to motorcycles another time. So here's what's interesting is it is like it's some of the things we've hit upon already. So what happens is childhood best friends, um, Lauren and Kara, um, essentially, and, and it's interesting because Lo is out. She's an open, you know, they're pretty young. They're in their 20s. They're both, they're really good friends. They've been childhood best friends. They're both kind of struggling to make it in different ways, right? Like Lo is kind of like uh, underemployed, I guess, like looking for a better job. Kara really, she got accepted to like a master's program, but can't afford to pay for it. And so it is a money thing, but it's really like not a shitty gross money thing. But Lo's grandmother, um, I think grandmother, has left her some money, but the condition is that she has to get married. And the reason for this is because Lo's parents are these like hippies. Has to get married. Has to. She has to get married. She net Lowe's the grandmother never approved of the fact that Lowe's parents never got married. So it's her way of essentially like, I don't know, like putting her foot in, right? And the thing that's really interesting about this romance is um, you know, it's friends to lovers, which sometimes is I think hard to carry off because you have to really like why? Like why this now? So and also it's complicated by the fact that Kara, at least low, her entire life has been straight, has identified as straight. And so this has never really been an option as a romance for them. But what happens is Kara like agrees to it. But what she says is like, look, if we're going to do this, we're really going to do it. Like we're going to get married. We're going to have a ceremony. We're going to go buy dresses. We're going to, it's, you know, like it can't just be for the money. That's not the type of person I am. And the the wind up, I would say like the first half of the book is them kind of preparing for the wedding, but they do keep it a secret from their friends. And so the they the 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 dilemma then is sort of twofold. It's like what's going on with Kara? Um, I don't want to give it away, but obviously they end up being married for real and in love. So you can imagine that Kara's exploring her identity. Um, I thought it was great. And but the real dilemma is sort of like, how do we tell these friends that have known us for a long time and my and Lo's parents the truth about why we did this? And when do we tell them like they were so happy for us? And how do we tell them it was fake? And who do we tell first? And I thought it was so it's all like internal angsty conflict. 
But I just thought it was just this like lovely, lovely story about like t- two good, nice people who fall into like a really tangled mess. That's how it should be, right? Like fake engagements shouldn't be easy. They should be complicated because if they're not complicated, it doesn't make sense why these two people would be willing to do it. Right. right? Well, and I think what we see in this case is like – I think what Chelsea M. Cameron does a great job of is really showing how they have to interact with each other differently mm-hmm. once they go down this path. So I think there's a lot of really thoughtful development about the way how they talk to each other, how they touch each other, how they right and and how they communicate with each other that then you end up really like it's all like, ah, it's so angsty and delicious. It's really good. Okay, so... I came on tonight. We started recording and I was sure I was going to talk about Sherry Thomas's His at Night. But then as we started talking about why fake engagements work and what they mean, I really think I'm not going to. Because one, I think that fake engagements really are a contemporary phenomenon, like a contemporary romance phenomenon. um, Because I think marriage and convenience is a different thing. And His at Night is a beautiful book that I am going to talk about, but not this episode. Because I'm going to put a stake in the ground here and say, I want to do a Marriage of Convenience convenience episode. Which will probably be all historicals. Right, exactly. It's fine that this is all contemporary. um, (laughs) So there we go. So on the fly, I'm going to talk about Talia Hibbert, who I already mentioned once, and who is a Faded Mates listener, I think, and an IED fan and has said she'd like to come on for a um for an interstitial. So awesome. This all works out well. Time difference be damned. We're gonna make it we'll happen. Record it on a weekend. It's fine. Um and uh, the book I want to talk about is The Princess Trap, which is the first book in her dirty British romance series. And I think I think like at some point I was like, we should do prince prince books, and I'm gonna do Tilia, but um I really love this book. It's so good. So first of all, she I also thought about using her for our curvy heroines episode. Oh, yeah. A thousand years ago, it feels like Talia writes like the best fat rep. I think she's one of the best of us at writing. Yeah. Curvy girls. Um, And uh, this book is pure, delicious fantasy. Like if you said to me well it's a book about like a prince a danish or a swedish like a scandinavian prince who is already kind of a scandal and like stumbles into like a (laughs) normal down on her luck like curvy girl and they like have a kind of like one night stand compromising thing and then he's like and they're caught in the act and then his answer is well it'll all be fine if it comes it turns out that you're my fiance just be my fiance for a while and then I'll give you a bunch of money to get you out of debt and like solve all of your money problems and we'll both go on our way oh and by the way while we're like in this fake fiancéing bit we'll still just be able to have great sex all the time i'd be like (laughs) sign me up (laughs) you know what i love about cherry right is that her name is is cherry yes is she so oh god i just love her 
She's awesome. She's yeah. sort of bold and brash and like has this a great little prickly personality like and super yeah, like confident. Be her friend. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like I really wanted to like sit at a bar. I wanted to sit at a bar and talk shit with her nonstop for a long time. And then on top of it, so there's this moment, this line in the book where he thinks of her and he thinks of her as a hurricane. Mm. And, like, I really, like, I, that is, like, pure id for me. Like, it's, like, it ticks the box and scratches an itch for me. I love it when a hero is, like, everything about this heroine is just, like, bowling me over. I just can't, like, I can't find my footing with her i don't know where who i am around her i don't know again it's this question of authenticity right like i feel like cherry allows or or cherry throw so here he's a prince you guys right (laughs) but somehow she is yeah like and he knows like if anybody should know who they are yeah. It's a fucking prince. Like, I mean, there's not a whole lot of like, but who am I really? Like, there's not right. a lot of, there can't be a lot of soul searching, like, in a royal family. Like, you're just fucking the prince of yeah, you're wherever prince. you are, De- Denmark or whatever. It was like a made up country. I think, it is right? a made up country. It's, but it is like Nordic. Yeah. And then suddenly he, this woman, like, comes into his life and suddenly he's like, she's. She's a storm, like a beautiful, big bananas storm that I can't escape because, like, it's just everywhere. It's all around me. Like, the wind is blowing and, like, I can't get out of it. And I just think it's so awesome. Also, I want to just, like, shout out the fact that he's bisexual. Oh, um, yeah. And, like. No big deal. Like, it's just cool. And, like, everything about it is just, I feel like Talia's writing, like, romance for 2019 in a way that, like, I, I you know, I, I know Jen has heard me say this, but I feel like romance comes in these, like, really remarkable eras, right? It's like, it's yeah. like you know, the, it's like you're, like, marking the eras of the earth, Right. Like, I feel like there are rings on a tree. Yeah. Like, I feel like there are eras and we're like in very, very squarely in this, like in a new era of like post 2016 romance is very different than anything that came before it. And I feel like Talia is going to be marked as a voice of that world. Absolutely. Right. I think the other thing that's really interesting about this is a fake engagement, of course, is that because he's royalty, the stakes for, like, being discovered are really high. Sure. Right? And the stakes for then – and and I think the other thing – so there's, like, a whole, like, outside pressure. But then the other thing I liked is there's a whole subplot about um, other members of his family mm-hmm. and what's going on with them. And her – she brings this um, – like when you're in the royal family, you just this is the way things are. Yeah. And she's also this outsider who says, No, something's really wrong here. 
and I might be a person who can fix it. Yes. And so what you see too is this whole like insider outsider dilemma where and I just think like when you like start like peeling off the layers of like what's going on in this book it's pretty astounding um, just how much is packed in there. And I think the fake engagement then is really about like is the royal world even real? Authenticity, right? right? Yes. Like, it's the it's sort of the perfect place for a fake engagement because it highlights so much. And then at the same time for readers, it's the perfect place for a fake engagement because it's so unlikely. Like there's something so fantastic right. about it um, in the way that like how do you even get out of a fake engagement to a royal, right? Right. And then on top of it and like there's the whole other issue of like a prince book and what it means like what what like normal girl plus prince or normal boy plus princess means um and i think there's that too in the sense that like packed into the i'm falling in love with a prince i'm falling in love with a rock star i'm falling in love with a movie star and i'm a normal person is like how can i ever compete yes and so what Talia does is she matches that sort of how can I ever compete with um, is any like all of this is just bullshit anyway. Like. Right. And it's pretty magnificent. It's a little eat the rich. I lo- like there's a lot of. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, for sure. Great. Well, and I also felt like this one came out probably about a year ago and it was like before the royal wedding. Yeah. And I literally was like. Who is this woman capturing lightning in a fucking bottle? Like it felt so right. I mean, I think and I mean, I think the best romances do somehow manage to like ride that wave yep. of like what's in the ether. She also is like the hardest working person oh my in romance God. right now. She's put a book out of she put a book out a month, like for a long time. I would literally be like, please slow down, because if you burn out and don't ever write books again, we'll be sad. <laughs> yeah. Will be so sad. Yeah, I'm just jealous of anybody who can write that fast, and and she's ter- she's terrific, and I can't wait to have her on too. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. I think it'll be really fun. Although no one will want to listen to us; they'll just want to listen to her. I would, I assume, is a sexy British accent. Uh, one can only imagine. Yes. Fine. I mean, you can. We can take a seat. It's fine. <laughs> We've talked a lot yes. in these people's ear holes. Like it's true. Let them have. They're, you know, they're ready for. Let them have. Talia, exactly. the Robert Petkoff of our interstitials. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that it is really a fabulous, fabulous book. So everybody should definitely check out that one. So let me pivot to. Um, okay, I'm gonna talk about the deal by L. Kennedy. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Yeah. So this is a new adult romance. So the main characters are in college. All right, pause. I fucking yeah. hate the word. The, the new adult. I hate new adult. I know it's two words, whatever. <laughs> but like, it's, I hate it. I don't, I'm, I have nothing else to say. Okay. Do you want me to talk about why you shouldn't hate it? Or are we just going <laughs> to let that lie there? I mean, fine, but you're not going to change my Okay, it doesn't matter, I just everybody. Think it's like, these are contemporary romances. Like, I feel like it's yeah. the same way I feel about. I feel this. I feel new adult just rides this like wave of like YA and like the way we criticize people, grown ups who read YA. Oh, I do hate that. I That's hate really gross. All of that yeah. shit. Like, it's read what you want, everybody. T- like you've, I've, you've struck a nerve. <laughs> 
I'm like, I'm just going to sit back now. Jen's like, I feel like I've struck a lot of Sarah's nerves and never have I seen this it's, one. It's okay. Um, if you say like women's fiction, I will be happy to like do it right back at you in return with like gesticulating. Anyway, it is new. It is it is categorized as new adult. It is delicious contemporary. Yeah. So this College and I'll tell set. you, I think part of the part of the reason I will say this though is um you know, we talk a lot about like the ages of characters in romance. And in historicals, we're really used to like younger characters, mm-hmm. right? That's just the way it was. People got married when they were 20 or whatever. And I think then that now that people get married and when they're older, like societally, that's really changed. And so something about like a new adult is really capturing, like for a lot of it, it's like first love. I mean, I don't know. I think it's sort of in a really interesting way, replicates some of what historicals do all the time, which is I'm really finding love for the first time. Yeah, I do agree with that. But I still think it's a stupid way of describing things fine fine <laughs> fine i'm not gonna argue with you because it doesn't matter to me at all but i'm i'm here for you thank you um, <laughs> but i will tell you you know i'm 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 45 everybody i'm like disclosing my job. i'm 45 and so when someone's like yeah they're in college i was like eh, i'm too old for that I'm old i have to be their mom <laughs> Yeah, I am. I'm like, I am. That's embarrassing. So I was like, is that creepy or gross or weird? And you know what? It. I, so I, I, for a long time, I actually held off reading this because everyone was like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. And I just feel like it's okay. I, I think where I came down on this is like a great love story is always going to mm-hmm. be for me. And it doesn't really matter. I'm not being some creeper old lady. At least that's what I could be telling myself. Also, I mean, it's the part of the challenge with part of the reason why new adult, you know, strikes – you know accord with me is that um these heroes are not exactly average 20 year olds of course not <laughs> i mean well they never are right you no have a ever son who is a teenager guy. i have known teenage boys there's ju- i mean it is i yeah. went to college none of this <laughs> well it does really highlight but I don't, I don't the idealized like, nature of romance. Yeah. yeah. I don't want it to. Like, there's a reason. Twilight works because Edward is, like, a thousand years old. Like, and so. And sparkly. And sparkly. But, like, he's all, like, his his romantic, his romantic life is leaps and bounds away from right your average college student. Yeah. You know what, though, this I think these books in particular, though, really capture that sense of them being like bros. Yeah, I agree. But not in a way that's like gross. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I'm sorry. I've been cutting. I'm I'm just. No. You go. This is this is what we're doing here. (laughs) Um, I'm like here. I know I'm here for it. Um, So I really recommend if you have not read this book, it's fantastic. So um, the story is about a hannah wells and she is essentially like rocking school and a really good student and she has this crush that she has her eye on and one day in class um the star of the hockey team who is like so far out of her stratosphere that she's not crushing on this guy there's like no way right you might as well crush on tom hardy for example Uh and (laughs) 
<laughs> so anyway, Garrett, though, is really struggling in this class that they're in together. And he basically like kind of puts the whammy on her. And he says, look, I really need you to tutor me in this class. And she's like, yeah, fuck off. And he's like, no, I really need you to tutor me in this class. And because I'm Garrett Graham, I'm going to get my way. And what he tells her is like, I will fake date you. And this guy that you have your eye on will you will become magically more appealing because I am interested in you. This is my jam. Oh, the, for sure. Yeah. The I'm going to fake date you so that another guy. Another guy. Can right? pay attention to you. Like can pay attention I to you. I love jealousy. I really do. <laughs> I saw you tweeting with somebody yesterday about like or the other day about like how jealousy doesn't exist anymore in romance novels and i was like that Um, is a damn shame (laughs) okay i do not i do not think that was me because i it's not now secret because i'm going to disclose this too when they all get all jealous and shitty i love it i love it i love it i love it when they're like uh feelings what are they i said i was reading um i was reading uh pleasure of a dark prince today for our recording for it and eric walked into the room and i said you have never said to me i will bring you his throat (laughs) you know like rage induced jealousy moment and he was like yeah because that's insane and i was like whatever and it is but in a book it's so fucking amazing i love it well especially because talking about the promise of the premise anytime that's the promise that shit is gonna turn right around on you garrett and then you are gonna be this jackass who is wildly in love with this girl who you've told i'm basically too good for you yes oh and now, okay, I want to say one more thing, though, because I want to put a content warning on this book. I was just um, going to say, yeah. are you going to talk about that? Yeah. Book? Hannah is a um, a, rape, a, a rape survivor. And a big part of her story arc, it happened to her in high school. It happened to her in high school, so it's been years. She's It's very pro-therapy, which I really liked. She has had a lot of therapy, but the there's repercussions still for her family because she came forward with this accusation. And... Um, her relationship with Garrett and his response to it, I think, is really powerful. And so it's like this moment where you're like, okay, yes, you're a bro and you're a hockey player and you just think you're God's fucking gift. But you are a decent human and mm-hmm. you don't want to see anybody treated this way. So, I mean, I, I guess I would just say the thing about this. So it's not fake engagement, right? It's fake dating. Um, but I think and it's not about money. So I think there's like this is another really common way this trope plays out in a contemporary is you've got something I want and I'm hot as hell and I'm going to get you mm-hmm. this other person that you want. And, and instead we're going to end up together. You know, there is um, my very favorite Eloise James novel is Pleasure for Pleasure. Eloise James wrote this um, four book series that was loosely based on the sisters and little women. No one dies. Mm. And um, it's. I really think it's her best series. I think it's wonderful. And Pleasure for Pleasure is the last one. And um, it's a similar storyline in that there's like a kind of rakish dude who's actually in love with another woman or not in love with, but like is fantasizing about a different woman. And he like agrees to help this girl, you know, Right, become a star of the of society, and it's a really magnificent. It's that whole thing. Like I'm gonna help you 
it's like it's a makeover story, right? It's yeah. I'm gonna give you credit. I'm gonna give you street cred, right? That's basically what Garrett says. Um, yes, and but also it is in itself. It's a little she's all that. It's not. Yeah. Is it she's all that? The one where she has a makeover. The one where she's a painter. Every teenage movie does. Though. <laughs> no, the one like, with Freddie totally. Prince Jr. <laughs> yes, and that sixpence none the richer song. <laughs> Um, I mean, I feel like we do a whole one on, like, my love for teenage, like, movies oh, right now. I'm like, yeah. Oh. Anyway, you're right. When we started okay. talking about fake engagements and the reasons why we didn't come – we didn't add that one in. And that – I'm that's an yeah, important a big one because it's that is pure, pure fantasy. Like – Well, and the idea that, like, we bring – like, there's – I think that's interesting about the this fake engagement plot versus the money one is there some sense of parity? Like you have something I need, and I have something you need, mm-hmm. right? It's a and deal. So literally, it's a, it's literally a deal. As opposed to the money one is always a little yuckier because it's there's a control issue often, which is why I really like the marriage of inconvenience. It did not have that at all. Yeah, and I. Th- I think that's the ones like now when it's like we're just I'm just filthy rich and I want my money. I'm always like, eh. So I have my my second choice is another interesting combo. Um, it's Kate Claiborne's Luck of the Draw. And um, I what I love about this book is that it's a fake engagement born out of the heroine's desire to essentially repent for make amends. her past. We had Kate on for an interstitial about best friend's um, older brother. Um, and I uh, – and so we talked a little bit then about why I love Luck of the Draw so much. Um, but the series itself, which is called the Chance of a Lifetime series, is very simple. It's about three best friends who all go in on a lottery ticket and win the lottery. And they don't win like a billion dollars. They win like a million dollars, enough that it's life-changing but not like – Completely. You don't ever have to work again right. or whatever. They yeah. have to figure out how to change their life for themselves to then live their lives like normal people. And the heroine of this book had a job where um, he, where she was the legal counsel or like head lawyer for a pharmaceutical company that was creating um, a drug that essentially was designed to um, get people who are addicted to opiates off their you know out of mm-hmm. their addiction um and there was a wrongful death case brought up against this company and um she settled she helped the company to settle with the family of the person who died the boy who died or man who died um so once she gets a chance to get out of this job she takes it because it's a fucking terrible job like she right. hates herself for it and she knows like it's just a, she's like it's a bad job um so she makes this wonderful she's home and she realizes like quitting her job didn't change the way didn't make her feel better I mean, it made right. her feel better in that she didn't have to go to her terrible job anymore. But, like, it didn't make her feel – it didn't reconcile all of her feelings about her – con her conflicted feelings about herself and her role in this job. So she uh, 
makes a <laughs> she makes a jar and she fills it with names of all the people who she feels like she needs to somehow make amends with. And it involves like it's like the barista at the local coffee shop who she was once rude to in line and like other other sort of innocuous things. And one of the names in this jar is the family of this boy who has died from um you know, the drug. And she reaches in, she pulls out a name, and it's this family. And so she goes to their home, and she, which is just bananas, and walks up the drive and knocks on the door, and the door opens, and there's a man there who is stunningly gorgeous. Perfect. Of course. Perfect specimen Fine. of romance heroism. And she says, hi, I'm so-and-so. And he says, I know who you are. And he's pissed that she has knocked yeah. on the door of his parents house because what the fuck lady leave us alone and she says i'm sorry for bothering you but i'm here to basically tell you that i'm sorry and he yeah. says you're a narcissist get off my lawn right? right because and he's right like what she is doing is for her and not his parents like his parents are him yeah. so he's the twin brother of the man who died um, and she's, of course, and what I love about this character is that she instantly realizes, like, she has done a terrible thing. Like, she, he is right, yeah. and she should not be there. So she turns around to leave, and she basically says, like, if there's ever anything, I'm sorry, I'm leaving, yeah. you're right. If there's ever anything I can do, please, please let me know. And he says, actually, <laughs> I need a fake fiancé. Because he is trying to inherit or he's basically he's trying to buy the summer camp that he and his brother went to for every summer when they were kids and turn it into a place, a rehab center, like a, a, a rehab center in the woods for people who have who are addicted um, in the way that his brother was. Um, and the people who own this summer camp, who he's known his whole life, won't sell. They want it to be owned by a family. So yes, like the fake fiance for stability, like the right. Yeah, it's a good one. So it's like marriage of convenience. It's an old school concept. Like it has all that stability piece wrapped into it. But it's also there. It's so much about the heroine, um, this book, because it is about her sort of feeling very guilty and then having to overcome having to sort of stand in her guilt. Right? Like, yeah. no one is going to forgive you for what you did. Ultimately, like, this is something that you're going to have to deal with and something that the hero has to grapple with. Like, yeah, he absolutely. has a lot of guilt. This is his twin brother. He feels like he didn't notice what he should have noticed. Like, this is a – and Kate does not shy away from any of these things. And still – and it, but it does put a ticking clock on it, right? They have to go mm -hmm. to the woods every weekend for six straight weekends. And they are starting to fall for each other. But there's a lot of, like, concern and guilt packed into their relationship. There's this sense of, equ like, equality is on the table in some ways. Like, partnership is on the table in some ways. And there's just a very real sense that, like, this really can't work. In Like, emotionally, this relationship cannot work. And there's something deeply powerful about that as a reader, too, where you're sort of like, how is she ever going to pull this off? And she does right. beautifully. And I think that's another thing that, like, fake engagement – and I think this is, like, my point at the beginning when I was talking about, like, Mary Lynn's tweets is we're starting from a place of, like, failure, right? Or, like, a place of, of disruption. Like, this can't work. There's something wrong. 
And we're building on a foundation that's shaky. And it goes really against everything we believe about how relationships should be built, right? Which is like solid, solid, one brick after another. And, you know, you're just like building this amazing thing together. And instead, it's like, no, relationships are like a big fucking game of Jenga. And I think fake relationships really like lift the veil on the idea that anybody makes like a smooth, easy path towards like a happily ever after that like if you start from a place where there's tons of holes in the foundation it like the hope or like I think the promise of it is you can still make it work out Mm -hmm. and I think that's what's so appealing about it yeah as opposed to we are perfectly matched it was insta love it's all great it's like the opposite they're doing the work of the relationship first which is kind of lovely absolutely that's fake engagement which is kind of the opposite of Faded Mates, if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> True. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we are Jen Reads Romance on Twitter and Sarah McLean on Twitter. Um, you can also find us at Faded Mates on Twitter. Um, we're on Instagram at Faded, Faded Mates Pod. Um, online at fatedmates.net. Do not miss the show notes. They are fabulous. And don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, review. I mean, only review if you really like it, though. <laughs> I can say not how that. any of this works, Sarah. I know. <laughs> but I can't say that about my books. So <laughs> no, I'm going to say fine. that about the podcast. <laughs> yes. We welcome all feedback and we want to get better. Next week, um, we are back with more Immortals After Dark. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you next time on Faded Mates. 